The NFL Draft is a dream come true for the members of the Jets' rookie class. However, not everybody should be excited. Today, we're talking about the players with the most to lose from the NFL Draft class of 2023, ahead on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday, May 5th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com, thanking you for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you're listening to the show, please give it a five-star review wherever you're listening, and a big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. These things help Locked On Jets out, help other Jets fans find us. Well, the rookie class of 2023 is at work this weekend. It is rookie mini camp at the team facility in Florham Park, New Jersey. It's an exciting time for the for the Jets. A rookie class coming in, and these rookies are all probably very excited. They get to live out their dream of playing in the NFL. However, this time of year is not good for every player on the roster because some of the incumbent players are on the verge of being replaced by these rookies. And today we're going to talk about the players with the most to lose from the draft class of 2023. Now, for me, I think the number one guy who should be a little bit worried is Connor McGovern. It's interesting because normally the guy who plays the position of the player you draft in the first round is the guy with the most to lose. But this year's a little bit different. Will McDonald plays defensive end. He's probably going to be a rotational player in year one. So I guess you could argue maybe Bryce Huff in a contract year has a lot to lose. But we know Robert Sala likes to rotate his guys in and out anyway. So even if McDonald was going to be a plug-and-play guy, or at least more of a plug-and-play guy than he profiles as right now, every defensive end on this roster is going to have opportunities to perform. Connor McGovern should be pretty worried for a couple of reasons. Now, of course, the Jets drafted Joe Tipman, a center out of Wisconsin, in the second round last weekend. I think that the Jets would love for Tipman to earn the starting job. In fact, I think this is one of those situations where they're going to go into training camp, and I'm expecting a camp battle. And I think what the Jets want is the rookie to win this competition. We know that they don't love McGovern. Even though McGovern's back, we know that the Jets are not crazy about McGovern. In fact, it felt like the two sides were going to part in the offseason. There was not really really a lot of interest in the Jets in bringing back their three-year center. And from McGovern's side, not, not entirely clear how excited he was to come back. And he comes back on a cheap one-year contract. And when you draft a center in the second round, I think you're objective for the most part. You know, I'm sure there are exceptions, but generally speaking, when you draft a center in the second round... You want him to win the job. You want him to play as a rookie. And again, I think Tipman's going to have every opportunity to do that. And McGovern has another added dimension here. The market he was looking for in this offseason was not there. I think it's clear that whenever you're still available heading into the NFL draft, something has not gone the way you wanted it to. Now, for some guys, you know, they're coming off an injury. You know, some, some guys just need to prove that they're healthy. There are other guys who are old in their 30s, Randall Cobbs, Al Woods, guys the Jets signed this week among them who really just trying to stay in the NFL. For somebody like McGovern, it feels like, we'll never know for sure, but it certainly feels like McGovern and his agent perhaps overplayed their hand. And you see that happen every year with guys who profile as quality free agents. And there are some guys who you are expecting to be signed, you're expecting for there to be a lot of interest in them, 
and they end up settling for a one-year deal that's really kind of cheap. And essentially what they're doing at that point is they're, it's in many cases, it's an admission that they overplayed their hand. They asked for too much money. They asked for more money than any team was willing to give them. And as a result, as teams filled up their cap sheets, suddenly you get to April, you get to May, and there's just not enough money to give them what they want. So what, what a lot of these guys end up doing is they end up taking a one-year deal and just say, you know what, we're going to go out there, we're going to hopefully play well this year, and next year we'll hit free agency again, we'll try it again, and we'll try and get that multi-year deal. Well, suddenly the presence of Joe Tipman presents a real danger for McGovern because there's no guarantee he's going to be in the starting lineup. If Tipman goes out there and plays well in training camp and preseason, and I don't think that's a guarantee. In fact, I think there are a lot of Jets fans who are maybe overstating the odds of Tipman starting day one. Now, I think the Jets, like I said, I think the Jets wanted to start day one. I don't think it's the end of the world if Tipman sits a year, though, because I do think there's a pretty good chance he's going to be the first guy off the bench. Uh, and I think that there's a chance, and I know that the Jets signed the tackle Turner this week, the former Packer, the former Bronco, but I think there's a pretty good chance that if there's an injury, even if there's an injury at tackle, Tipman goes in or whoever the first backup center is, goes in and plays guard, and Elijah Vera Tucker moves out to tackle because Vera Tucker has shown an ability to hold up at the tackle position. So, you know, it may be a situation where the loser of the center battle still gets a lot of playing time because injuries do happen on the offensive line. And injuries, you have to, you can't expect your full offensive line to stay healthy over the course of a 17-game season. So no matter who the loser is of the center battle, they're probably going to get playing time. But, you know, there may be a couple of games here or there. And McGovern really can't afford that because, again, the market he was expecting, he was expecting to have a multi-year deal. So by coming back to the Jets on a one-year deal and a cheap one-year deal at that, I think one of the things that maybe got lost is that he's only making a little over a million dollars this year. So the market was really not there for Connor McGovern. And I'm not entirely sure why. I don't want to make Connor McGovern out to be the greatest center in the NFL, but he certainly was a stable starter for the Jets, a guy who finally gave them some degree of quality play at center after years of Wesley Johnson and Jonathan Harrison and Spencer Long and Ryan, Ryan Khalil. I mean, Khalil, of course, had a very good career with Carolina, but by the time he was with the Jets, it was pretty much over for him. And McGovern comes in in 2020, gets off to a slow start, but after that, the next, you know, the, the second half of his first year with the Jets and then years two and three gave them stable play, unspectacular. And now, He's looking at a spot where he may be entering free agency in a year, coming off a season where he only had a contract for one year worth around a million dollars. He may not even be starting. And that's got to be something that worries you if you're McGovern or McGovern's agent. So we're looking at the situation. A lot of it's going to come down to Tipman. I think that's probably one of the most frustrating things for McGovern because he can go out there and play really well in training camp in the preseason. But if Tipman shows he's ready, Tipman's going to play. And it's not just because Tipman is young. That's part of it. It's also partially because Tipman was a second round pick, but it's also the reasons the Jets picked him in the second round because of the, some of the things he can do. This is a guy who profiles as a really, really effective mover on the offensive line. He, I think he opens up things in the playbook that McGovern really can't. Uh, Tipman, you know, he's so mobile. He's very athletic at 6'6", but he can move. And the Jets can incorporate plays with Tipman that they maybe can't with McGovern. There's not really a lot of variety when we're talking about run plays in the NFL. For the most part, every team runs the same, I don't know, eight or nine run plays. There's not there's not a lot of creativity. But when you add a mobile center, you can add to the creativity. Because if you can pull a center consistently, and Tim is the type of center, and there aren't many of them, who profiles as somebody who can pull on a play, 
you open up the playbook a bit. And how much of an impact does it have? It has some. I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but when you have a center who can pull, you know, blockers up front now have to look from all angles because the guy who normally would be blocked by the center, a center who's not mobile, now has to look left and right because maybe he's being blocked by a guard because the center can get on the move and the center can throw a block down the field or, you know, out wide. And most offenses, that can't happen. So I think Tipman would add, if he if he's ready to play, and I think there are some technical things. I think sometimes he gets caught leaning a little too much. Um, but if he if he's ready to go, and I don't think he has a ton to clean up. I think he has some things to clean up. I don't think he's a total project. I just think there are a couple things he can clean up, and maybe they do it on the practice field, and maybe he can learn quickly. And if he can, then he's in the lineup, and McGovern you know, could be sitting on the bench. Now, as we continue on this Friday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to the running back position. Michael Carter had a good rookie year. Even in year two after the Jets drafted Brees Hall, it felt like he was going to be a big part of the offense. It just did not work for him. And the Jets drafted somebody on day three who could replace him. And I'll tell you more about this as we continue on this Friday episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the weekend. You should find a way to enjoy yourself. May I suggest Built Bar? Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. They're protein bars, but they don't taste like them because all bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So these bars are good for you, but they're also delicious because of that chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors. They have churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. And these bars only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. Now here's the best part. You don't have to wait for your you don't have to wait to get a box. For years you've been hearing me talk about ordering built bars at built.com. But now you can also go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get your special, get your favorite flavors. So head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can get a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter puff or churro puff. You can thank me later. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen or first watch every day. Today we are talking about players who may have something to worry about from the Jets' 2023 NFL Draft class. In our first segment, we talked about Connor McGovern, who could be replaced by Joe Tipman. Michael Carter was a guy the Jets drafted in the fourth round two years ago. I was very excited about the pick, and through the first season of his career, he looked like he was justifying that pick. He looked like a fourth-round steal. I'll, I'll say it. I thought he, he had a very promising rookie season, and I was so excited last year when the Jets traded up for Brees Hall because I thought about the one-two punch between Michael Carter and Brees Hall. That seemed like maybe one of the best one-two punches in the NFL. And Brees Hall held up his end of the bargain, at least before he got injured. That first half of the season was spectacular from Brees. Very excited about what the future holds from him. Hopefully he can come back from injury strong this season. Carter just did not play well. And part of the disappointment was that the two, the two of them, Hall and Carter, complemented each other so well. And it was an interesting dynamic because Brees Hall is a big back. Michael Carter's kind of on, on the smaller side. Yet, this was a tandem where there was like kind of a thunder and lightning. Thunder being the guy who runs tough between the tackles and lightning being the speedster who produces big plays. The interesting dynamic is that Brees Hall's the bigger back, but he was kind of the lightning. He was the guy that you know, produced the big plays with his blazing speed. And Michael Carter was the guy who ran tough inside. Unfortunately for Carter, it just never worked. And even last year, around the midway point of the season when Brees Hall went down. It was a devastating blow to the Jets. He was, I think, at that point, the most important player on the offense because you have to remember Garrett Wilson did, had not emerged yet. It was almost kind of a zero-sum game because 
the Jets became so run-oriented under Brees that there was not much of a chance for Garrett Wilson to shine. And after Brees went down, somebody had to step up, and Garrett did, and had that huge second half and ended up stealing the Rookie of the Year award. But the Jets did not get a lot out of the running back position. And, you know, part of that goes back to the James Robinson trade, where the Jets got a guy who seemed like a quality back. And listen, I thought it was a good trade at the time. Part of it was the run blocking. The run blocking was just atrocious, especially down the stretch. Part of it was injuries on the offensive line. If we're going to be honest with you, Jets can't take all the blame there. They just were really banged up up front, and that certainly played into things. And all season long, the Jets were reshuffling their offensive line, which certainly had brought issues. And Bam Knight, you know, another rookie last year who stepped in and played well the first couple weeks, then kind of fell off in part because of the blocking. You know, there were issues all the way around. But Carter was maybe the least effective back the Jets had. In fact, ironically, the only back who was pretty effective last year was Ty Johnson, who was recently cut, who was not a popular player, and a guy I've criticized pretty heavily. And, you know, I don't know what's going on with Michael Carter. It's very, very odd the way he fell off last year, but the Jets drafted somebody on day three, Israel Ibanaconda, who could replace him. You know, he could, he could steal that number two back job. And it's interesting, you'd never really want to expect much out of a day three pick, but running back's an exception. And even, you know, two years ago, Michael Carter, he was drafted at the top of day three. So, you know, to the extent he was a day three pick, yeah, I guess he was technically a day three pick, but he was still he's still early. He was an early fourth rounder, which is generally still the portion of the draft where you can reasonably expect to find a contributor. Israel Abanaconda was drafted in the fifth round. So a little bit of a, diff- you know, a fifth round pick, you never want to expect much out of him. But running back's one of those positions. When you talk about the quote-unquote low-value positions, and listen, a good player is a good player. I think that we maybe get a little carried away when we talk about the positional value. Positional value matters, It's but you have to understand how much it matters. I think there are degrees of how much it matters, and I think maybe sometimes we go a little bit too far in talking positional value. A running back who can play is still a good player. Now, running back, is, of course, is viewed as one of the low-value positions, in part because it's so much less difficult to find a good player at running back than it is at other spots. And because of that, it's not totally unreasonable to think you could find a guy in the fifth round who can step in and play well right off the bat. And Israel Abanaconda, he's a guy who has a dimension that would certainly help the team. You know, I talked about Brees' ability to hit big plays. I think Abanaconda can do that. Maybe not at the rate Brees does, and I think Brees brings other things to the table, but Abanaconda's got speed. You know, there's a little extra to his game in that regard. And I've tried to study this as best I could. I'm still kind of doing my own research on this thing. But when we think about running backs in the NFL, what value do they bring? You know, if you block three yards for a back, almost any back's going to be able to get three yards. So there's no real excess value there. You can find anybody, if you block them three yards, they'll get you three yards. And there are some backs who are bad enough, who don't lack the vision, who maybe couldn't get you three yards. But for the most part, backs will get what's blocked for them. So I try and think this through. What's not blocked for a back? And I think about big plays, because once you get 10 yards down the field, that's pretty much whether you can make a guy miss or run away from him. And one of the things I did last year was I looked at the at the propensity of running backs to produce those big plays. And it did not surprise me. I looked back through like a decade's worth of data, and it's not surprising that the, ba- the backs most inclined to produce big plays happen to be the best running backs in the NFL. They happen to be the big names, the guys who get most of the attention. And... That leads me to feel like, you know what you really want in a running back? You want somebody who can break a big run. Because that's that's really what sets you apart. Again, the first 10 yards or so, especially the first 3 to 5 yards, that's pretty much what your offensive line gets you. Yeah, you can run through tackles. Yeah, you can make a guy miss in space. But 
it all tends to even out in the end. What you want is a big, some big playability at the running back position, and Banaconda can do that. And Carter brings some things to the table. You know, Carter is a tough runner. Carter, to the extent it does matter what you do those first couple of yards, I mean, he gets you what you need. He gets you everything he can. But, you know, I don't think he adds that big play the big play element. In fact, it was funny because I remember a year ago we were talking on the podcast right leading up to the draft, and I was talking about Brees. And it was really interesting to hear how many people with Carter talked about how, well, the Jets need to add a tough inside runner. And it was almost because Carter is smaller. He's, you know, he's, he's on the smaller side for a running back. And people felt like, well, we need to get somebody somebody who can run between the tackles. And I said, well, not really. I think Carter's fine there if you looked at the numbers. What the Jets were lacking was that big play, that home run ability. And they got Brees, and he helped out with that. Uh, Bam Knight did it for a couple games late in the season and then, again, kind of fell off. But especially with Brees down at the beginning of the year, and maybe not down, maybe, maybe saying Brees down is not completely accurately putting it, but I do think the Jets are going to want to put Brees on a pitch count. And... I think they're going to want to make sure he gets cut, cut touches, but he may not be 100% run off the bat. He's coming off a serious injury. So who fills in with those extra carries? Well, last year it would have been Michael Carter. If it was a year ago, you would say Michael Carter would be ready to step in. But maybe not off the year he's having. And maybe Israel Abanaconda steps in and not only takes those carries from Carter, but helps the Jets stabilize things at the running back position as Brees Hall gets healthy. Because I think what the Jets focus with Brees is, is to get him ready for to be 100% in like November, December, the tough months of the season, the months where they really could have used Brees last year. And part of that will require them to find some somebody else who can provide them those big plays out of the backfield. And that could be where Abanaconda comes in. And that ultimately means less carries for Carter because Brees is still going to get his carries. He may not get as many or in the early part of the season. He's still going to take his share of touches. And there's, no, there's, not, there's only so many to go around. And Abanaconda, if he can fill in that home run hitting role in the backfield... Michael Carter's touches could become rather limited. Now, as we continue here on this Friday episode of the Lockdown Jets podcast, I'll tell you about a depth player who I think was really hurt by the draft. The Jets may have only drafted a tight end in the seventh round, but this could be ominous for a tight end on the roster. I'll tell you who that is as we continue this Friday episode of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Friday. We're talking about the players on the Jets roster who have the most to worry about after the 2023 NFL draft. And my attention is now focused at tight end. And it's a position that I have relentlessly criticized the Jets for over the lifetime of this podcast. The first year of this podcast was 2016, where they had one of the worst tight ends groups in recent NFL history. And I've sat through Ryan Griffin, and I've sat through Chris Herndon actually raising hopes during a solid rookie season and then completely falling off the face of the earth, which brought us to 2022 and... The display we saw from Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzama. To say I'm not a fan of the Jets' tight end history, at least their recent tight end history, would be an understatement. Now, my hope is that Jeremy Ruckert can develop into a good player. I have hopes for Ruckert. I did not hate him as a third-round pick. At that point of the draft, you have a shot at finding a player, but it's certainly nothing you'd want to count on. So Ruckert's going to be on the team this year. We know Conklin and Uzama are going to be on the team. So of those three, I have hopes for one of them, which is Jeremy Ruckert. But who would be the fourth tight end? Well, hopefully the Jets don't sign Mercedes Lewis. I begged the Jets in the final segment of yesterday's show not to sign Mercedes Lewis. And I will beg them again. Jets, please do not sign Mercedes Lewis. We don't need an old tight end in here. We don't need a you know, 39-year-old tight end in here. We need youth. We need quality. Hopefully Ruckert fills one of those roles. 
And the other player you may hope have hopes for is the seventh round pick, Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. Now, I think Kuntz's presence is ominous for one particular young Jets tight end. I bet, I bet you some of you thought I was going to say Ruckert. I'm not. Ruckert's going to be on the team. And hopefully Ruckert can develop into a quality player. The guy I think this is ominous for is Kenny Yeboa, who was a non-drafted free agent out of Mississippi a few years ago. And in the fan base, there's been a lot of hype about Yeboah. I mean, there's been a lot of hopes for Yeboah, and I cannot say that I completely understand it. I mean, I guess he had good athletic testing, but, you know, he's not drafted free agent. And he's not really overwhelmed in his time with the Jets. You know, he's spent some time on the practice squad. He spent some time on the active roster. For a guy who was, you know, brought in with that low of a pedigree, an undrafted free agent, I was surprised by how much excitement, how much optimism there was around him. And I guess you could say the same thing about Zach Kuntz. I mean, he's a seventh-round pick. Here's what I will say about Kuntz. His, his athletic testing was off the charts good. And beyond that, this is, I think you could see, this is Nathaniel Hackett's guy, whereas Kenny Yeboa may have been Mike LaFleur's guy. And Kuntz could conceivably, down the, and I'm not expecting much this year, this, this one I'm really talking about more of a roster spot. The, last, the first two guys I was talking about, Connor McGovern and Michael Carter, I think that they're, they're concerns about playing time. I don't think they're going to lose the roster spots. I think Kenny Yeboah could lose his roster spot because I think he's partially a Nathaniel Hackett project. And part of the reason I say that is looking at the way Nathaniel Hackett has deployed his tight ends through the years, especially Green Bay and Denver. Hackett used, uses two tight end sets about as much as any coach in the league. Well, hooray, because we got our tight ends are Conklin and Uzama this year. And maybe Rucker can step up. So we have a lot to look forward to on that front. But beyond using two tight ends, it's how he uses them. Because he uses his tight ends in the slot an awful lot. And Kuntz is a guy with his athletic testing who figures as to be kind of more of a big wide receiver than he does at uh, inline tight ends. And I don't think he's a very good blocker, but if you watch him on the film, I mean, one of the things he can do is, especially on his horizontal routes, when he runs in or out, left or right, he's pretty good at creating separation. And I think that that's, that's what you look for in a slot receiver. And also I think... One of the things Hackett likes to do is he likes to use his his slot receiver as somebody who can help out in the run game. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I think he uses a big tight end so frequently is that he can kind of help seal the edge. And I think that's also one of the reasons you may see Alan Lazard in the slot an awful lot this year. That's kind of where Nathaniel Hackett falls. And if this is Nathaniel Hackett's personal project, well, then Mike LaFleur's project at the tight end position could have a tough time finding a spot on the team because you already have three spots locked in in this roster. You have Conklin. Hooray. You have Uzamba. Hooray. You have Jeremy Ruckert. All right, maybe Jeremy Ruckert can be good at least. There's probably not more than four spots available. And that's part of the reason I don't want Mercedes Lewis, because if Mercedes Lewis is here, then Kuntz is probably on his way to the practice squad, which I guess is not the end of the world, but we don't need Mercedes Lewis here. But where's this Levi Boa? I don't know if there's, I don't know that there's a spot for him. And I think of the players who could be replaced by day three picks. Yubo is probably the one who has the most to worry about because there's such a clear role for Kuntz and there's such a there's really no path to the roster for Yeboa if Kuntz is around or Mercedes Lewis, but we'll, we won't go there right now. Anyway, that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, please a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, a big thumbs up. These things help the podcast out, help other Jets fans find us. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back on Monday to talk more Jets.